Hey guys, just a heads up, this is a not safe for work podcast, so keep it in your pants until you won't get busted. <laughs> Orgasmic Terrorist, a podcast about acceptance around becoming authentic within our sexual exploration. Orgasmic Terrorist. Thank you for joining us here on Orgasmic Tourist today. Before we dive into this episode, we want to issue a trigger warning for potentially sensitive content that may be discussed. This episode may contain discussions about topics that can be distressing and triggering, including the following domestic violence, mental and emotional abuse, sexual assault and rape, sexual acts, suicide, and child abuse. We want to prioritize your well being above all else. Please do not feel obligated to listen to this episode if you believe it may be harmful or distressing for you. Your mental and emotional health are incredibly important to us here at Orgasmic Terrorist. If you choose to continue listening, please ensure that you have a support system in place or seek professional help if needed. Thank you for your understanding and take care of yourselves always. Welcome to Organic Terrorist. Jenna and Sarah here. Hi, guys. In today's episode, I want to dive into the pulp culture impact of BDSM from movies to books and other podcasts. What do you think? I think that'll be fun. I think we've found quite a bit of it for people. Hopefully, try to include as much times like when they were released and where to find them if you actually are interested. Well, we have plenty um, of links to share to news articles <laughs> and all this stuff. So they can go down their own journey. We're not covering everything. No. You know, it wasn't as much as I expected to find, though. What I've noticed is the trend is that it's getting more and more like it was one movie in the 70s that I remember. And then it's then it was five movies. Now it's 50 shows or podcasts and it's growing. Yes. And I think that it's growing in a wonderful way. And we all know the one that I think really did the best to kind of break that onto the screen, which was the 50 Shades of Grey uh-huh. books and the damn movies that followed, which were awful. Yes. <laughs> there was more chemistry between what my dog shits on and my dog than there was between those two actors. It was upsetting how not sexy that movie turned out for me. I, I don't know if you saw too it. much time trying to find the characters than they did putting on the writing. Sorry. There's just no chemistry. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say any names. We'll just leave well, that. Well, I get you. I get you. <laughs> now, I have to tell you, I read the books. I started with the first one when it first mm-hmm. came out and followed along when they started to get grayer and grayer. And I had a fantasy at that time. I was still in my shame closet. And I had a fantasy that he did with her. And it was the one in her bedroom. And he stroked her clit and spanked her. That's still my go-to fantasy in my head. I love that whole scene. In reality, when it was on the big screen, it wasn't that sexy. Look, I'm glad for the books just because it brought this idea of people that are wealthy. Well, and I don't even like the people that are wealthy because people that are wealthy get away with murder in this country. So it's totally fine if it's a billionaire, but it's not fine if it's a dude in a trailer. I've said this right. how many episodes now? Right. I know. Right. So <laughs> if it had been a poor guy, he'd have been in jail. So let's talk about the grooming and the predatory nature of this multi billionaire, millionaire, whatever, choosing some 18, 19 year old virgin to bring into his world. Right. The right. poor girl doesn't even know what her fucking clit is yet. Like, why are we doing this to this girl? So, okay. So yeah, I don't like any of it, obviously. And I can talk about it for this entire episode, but I mean, credit where credit's due. I think that it was titillating because it's a, a woman in her fifties writing like a dude for other women in their 50s so they can be titillated. But there's a lot of shit in that book too. Again, if you want to be a novelist, if you want to be an exotic novelist, be an exotic novelist. But if you're going to marry the two, make sure that both of those have equal time, equanimity within your storyline. Because it was, do you remember every sex scene in that was pages and pages and hot and steamy and sexy, but there was a story that went along with it too. And then you'd get back to the story and it was like seven paragraphs. And then it was back to the fuck scene. So it was like, oh, make up your mind. Yeah, because she was trying to do the kidnapping and the romance of it. And it's like, yeah, I, I get it. I totally yeah. get it. But I she mean, maybe whole- so lucky that a billionaire pulls up outside and goes, sign this contract. Also, woman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of same thing. Little different, but you know. 
I get you. I get you. Yeah, it's just it's weird. So I and I have a I have an article to back me up that I'm going to quote out of just because I read this in our research for this. And I was like, see, I'm not the only one. And this is exactly why I don't like it. So this is from an article in GQ in 2016 called How BDSM Went Mainstream. And this is the excerpt. It says, of course, it would be impossible to discuss Hollywood's depictions of BDSM without addressing the big gray elephant in the room. And to be honest, we didn't see what he was packing. So how do we know it was a big gray elephant? (laughs) Anyway, so Jackie St. James, a longtime porn director, sighs when you ask her about Fifty Shades of Grey. What bothered me particularly about this wasn't the story. She paused and laughed. It is what it is. It wasn't the writing. Instead, she says it was the fact that it was a very dangerous depiction of BDSM that was in some ways educating the public incorrectly. A thousand percent. I agree with this. Yeah, I agree in with that. Too. James is telling even the ostensibly positive parts of Fifty Shades, in particular, the contract between Anastasia Steele and Christian Gray don't make up for the fact that the contract is breached and the relationship is decidedly toxically unhealthy. Yeah, I agree. I don't like the fact that Fifty Shades was put into the world the way it was. I mean, on the big screen. I wish it would have just turned it into a porn and let's see the sex. I bet you there's, oh, I'm going to look it up as we're talking because I bet you there's a knockoff. There's what Edward Dildo hands. There's Harry Potter in the Sorcerer's Bone, I think, (laughs) is a porn. So is is this a porn? I want to know. So there is actually a couple spoofs on the movie, uh, Fifty Shades of something that they put on other streaming sites. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was a spoof that was out there where they were making fun of it, which was funny. But so easily laughable at. So what else did we find? I mean, did you see the 365 series on Netflix? Yes. And the fourth one's coming out and I'm my hands, my fingers are ready. (laughs) Fingers are ready to diddle. Have you watched those yet? Yes, I did. The second oh, I watched them, I binged my them. Fucking God. I got tired of it. It was like the same thing. There was nothing oh. new to me. Yeah. Oh. Again, what I- are you talking about? <laughs> Number three in the dream? What are you oh. talking about? Yeah, yeah. Oh my good. God. My nipples are hard, right? Fucking meow. I've got goosebumps just thinking about those movies. At least I'm not saying it's the best that I've ever seen, but oh my God. Like super seamy scenes. I don't understand, honestly, how they are not fucking, how they're not giving blowjobs, how this isn't really going down. Because to well, me, you, what you mean by that is that the actual penetration is. I literally look like, a, right. So there's another movie in this pop culture one that we're going to mention, Nymphomaniac, one and two. Did you see yeah. those? I never saw those, but I heard about them. But, but I was very religious when those came out. Okay, so those are legit. If there is sex in the movie, they are fucking in real life. I knew a porn videographer and he said they always had two cameras on purpose because you had to do the American release and the international release, which you can show penetration or you could show some angles differently. And so in some movies, they shifted it from soft to hard based on where they were going to release it. Well, this one, they went down, they died on that hill. They were like, it's all simulated. They, it has been a question from the beginning and I'm sure you now know why. And I cannot wait for number four, because if that dream comes true, bitch has finally, that's what I'm excited for is the woman finally gets what the fuck she wants. It's not some dude with 50 women. The woman gets to have more than one. So nice. celebratory, woohoo! Because thank fucking God, it's always about the men and how many women that they get to do all this shit. It's very rare that it gets to be the women that get to have the same thing. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> Clearly, <Yeah>. but <laughs> you know, we were talking about what's the first one for me. The first one that I think I identified BDSM with was two movies, Nine and a Half Weeks is the really formative one for me. And then Exit to Eden, which oh, was- Oh, I love Exit uh, to Eden. It was oh. so good. And so many people might remember it. So Exit to Eden was Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell. And they are cops. And they have to go to like Pleasure Island or whatever it's called. They're on a case and they're investigating. And so they have to go to this couple's resort that's all BDSM. And so they have to infiltrate this island of BDSM practitioners. And so it's a funny movie. It's not meant really. I mean, there's some steamy scenes with 
my guy. So that was really like the first time there was like, holy shit, there's a dominatrix on this island. And she's I fucking her. the one in she charge. Sexy as fuck. So sexy. She's super hot. So is the guy. Yeah. Or was not more <laughs> so heartbroken. So that went in the nine and a half weeks. And nine and a half weeks, I guess I would have posited as not BDSM, but I guess since they're I guess the description of a dominant submissive or almost like master slave. There right. was the food kink scene in there. I still don't. I mean, I guess it's BDSM, but it was really toxic and not healthy either. That relationship. That oh. was in. So to tell you the times, nine and a half weeks was 1986. Exit to Edian was 1994. Okay. So then definitely nine and a half weeks was the first one that I saw and was like super formative for me where the Dom sub, I think. I mean, that's probably where I got it was just like, holy shit, that's kind of hot being told what to do and dressed and like all all the things like, but it was also very like mind fucky type of movie. It wasn't a, it wasn't a good example of BDSM. And then you've got the funny comedy, which is also not a good example of BDSM, but at least it showed more of the leather, of the bondage, of the master, of the dominatrix, that type of thing. And oh, honestly, to see Dan Rockroyd and Rosie in BDSM outfits, it's not forget. something I'll forget. That <laughs> was my favorite. I have to tell you, I watched that thing so many times. I loved it. I totally forgot about it until you popped it on the list. And I'm like, now nah, I got to go find it. I yeah. think I have a DVD of it and I'm going to find it so I can watch it. Uh, if so- you do, you need to. Yes, we will yeah. be watching it. At yes. some point, I would love to do a viewing party just because I think it's so fucking funny. Oh, yeah, that would be great. So my first exposure to BDSM, since we're talking about how we first were exposed, was The Story of O, which is a 1975 book or 1974 book that was turned into a movie. In and this is a hill that you will die on. You have mentioned this one as your first experience time and time again. And I finally saw it last night. When I came across that top 70 BDSM movies or whatever. So I do need to watch it. I have not watched it. Yeah. it's It was an interesting one. It was about the submissive and dominance, the dynamics of it and living as a slave. And that was interesting. I don't know what my feelings were. I don't remember my necessarily feelings were back then. Because I just thought it was like, oh, well, that's kind of hot to be forced to do something, forced to. Was it like, since I haven't seen it, was it more CNC feeling or was it just? It was more like, more like you're going to get on your knees and you're going to serve me and you don't get rewarded until you do be good because it was a household. Okay. Um, So it was almost like what polyamory does, but there was the control factor. But when I first got into BDSM or was first talking about wanting to get in BDSM, somebody told me about a movie. It was super funny. I hadn't seen it, even heard about it. It was from 2002. What movie do you think it was? Literally don't know. The Secretary. Oh, my God. Oh, that was such a... Man, that one. Oh, that one fucks with me at the same time. Hard ass nipples, hard goosebumps. Oh my God. When he puts her over that desk and tells her to move her skirt up and then spanks her and then doesn't say shit. It's like, I'm done with you. was like, oh, holy fuck. I am still goosebumps. Yes. Yes. Yep. That one really got to me. I was like, oh my God, I want to be that. Yes. You know why I have a hard time with James Spader? Oh, why? Because I love him in Blacklist now, but he was well, he's he wasn't as sexy movie. as he was in Blacklist. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, he's a wonderful actor. But yes. well, I had a hard time with him because of a movie he did in the eighties called Crash. Do you do you remember Crash? Uh, yeah, I can't fucking watch that movie ever again. <laughs> Where they you know that in- they listed that but, movie as a BDSM movie? Yeah, it is because there's a control and a fetish. Mm. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen it. I don't know what number it is on that list, but yeah, Crash with James Spader. I hated him because of it. Yeah. When I asked, when I tell people my favorite movie, they were like, not the one about the car fetish. And I'm like, no, I would, but I, no, not yucking anybody's jam on that one. But it, that one really got to me, the the James Spader one. I, I, that creeped me out. I'm like, oh God, that's fetishes. I judge fetishes because of that movie. I think everybody, look, I know that we say don't yuck people's yeah. yuck. And that's totally fair. But some shit is just not for you. And some shit is just not for me. And I'm going to be grossed out by it. I don't, 
I probably will judge you a little bit on your fetishes. I think we're all human and we try our best. I'll catch myself judging you and I'll tell myself I'm wrong for judging you, but I'll still be like, I'm still low-key judging you. Anybody else would do the same. I'm sorry, but in my life, I don't think that a lot of people that don't know what I'm into would necessarily be surprised that I'm into it, but I do know that it would just give them fuel for the fire of their judgment about me anyway. You know what I mean? I don't think that they would be surprised, but it would definitely be like, oh yeah, Jenna. And that was, oh, that was the other thing I wanted to read to you guys. I found a paper titled Mainstream Kink The Politics of BDSM Representation in U.S. Popular Media, written by Margot D. Weiss, who has a PhD. So I just want to read this little snippet because I very much identify, and I feel like you might too, and everybody else that actually partakes in BDSM, when we come across these little BDSM things in the mainstream media. She wrote a paper, and this is my basically my take on what she wrote. So the analysis explores how media consumers who do not identify as practicing BDSM perceive and respond to such representations. This article defines acceptance in terms of expressing tolerance, admitting BDSM into mainstream social groups, and categorizing BDSM as proper, normal, or approved. Understanding, on the other hand, is defined as grasping the reasonableness of BDSM, having a thorough acquaintance with it, and showing a sympathetic or tolerant attitude towards BDSM and its practitioners. The analysis of this whole article she wrote suggests that rather than promoting politically progressive forms of acceptance or understanding, the representations studied offered acceptance via normalization and understanding via pathologizing. In the former mechanism, BDSM is acceptable only when it aligns with normative American sexuality. So it's only accepted when heteronormal sex thinks that it's passable. In the latter mechanism, understanding BDSM is framed as the symptom of a deviant type of person with a sick or damaged core. The article argues that these mechanisms don't necessarily contribute to sexual freedom. Instead, they allow the mainstream audience to flirt with danger and excitement while reinforcing boundaries between what is considered protected and privileged normative sexuality and what is viewed as policed and pathological non-normative sexuality. The conclusion drawn is that these mechanisms solidify ideological dichotomies in American understanding of sexuality where normal, and I put that in quote, is associated with heterosexual, monogamous, romantic, private, married, and suburban, while abnormal, again quotes, is associated with non-heterosexual, non-monogamous, unromantic, public, unmarried, and urban categories. Overall, the analysis that she wrote suggests that when viewers accept or understand BDSM in the described ways, they engage in a mode of distanced consumption, where representations of S&M offer a tantalizing glimpse of something other, quotations, sexy, exotic, and kiki, that can be safely viewed and evaluated from a detached, privileged, or normative position. So you're removing yourself from saying, oh, that actually turned me on. I actually wouldn't mind being spanked or whatever because you can see it and then talk about it in a disparaging way. It's just like Exit to Eden. You have this far-right parody where you got to actually show the tools, the leather, the bondage, but it's in a parody-type way. Though you have your O or your nine and a half weeks or your 50 shades where it's toxic, it's not done correctly. And it's minimized in other ways. And there's something wrong, right? Well, again, and I do believe that there's something wrong with somebody that's going to groom an 18-year-old. But hey, whatever, I digress. So look at how many examples we're going to talk about, right, of BDSM in mainstream. Every freaking TV show. How many TV shows did we find that had an episode? You're the one that turned me on to that in the first place with the, what was it? Was it Red Shoe Diaries? Shoe Diaries. Oh my God, that was a TV series that I jacked off to when I was younger. <laughs> Red Shoe Diaries. Your closeted David days. Du- David Duke Oh yeah. Uh, oh, The Couch and Me. We were having fun with that one. 
grinding yeah. on the couch. Let's go ahead and break down movies that we We're found. Movie, and, movies first. And let's do movies. Secretary, you already talked about. But by the way, you can find that on freebie right now on Tubi currently. And you can buy it on Prime, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. We kind of already talked about it, but I think that movie really is fun to watch. And I'll probably watch it again because there's a lot of things to learn. A lot of the nuances that they talk about, the control and how she gives it up. I mm-hmm. like that. It was neat. Have you ever seen the Duke of Burgundy? It wasn't in 14. It was on AMC. No, I haven't either. But it said in one of my researches that it had BDSM in it. So I'm going to have to go find that. So the Duke of Burgundy centers on the complex relationship between two women engaged in a dominant submissive dynamic. It showcases how their intricate desires affect their life together. The film has been lauded for its exploration of love, power, and trust within an unconventional relationship. Why? Because they're lesbians. That's the unconventional. Well, in 67. Wait, that was 2015. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, we'll post that link to the seven top BDSM movies. And there's a shit ton I've never even heard of. So I've never heard of that one. The story of O you talked about for sure. Which is on Pluto right now. So people can go. Belle du Jour, a 1967 movie did you ever watch that no yes it's on max so i guess i'm gonna go watch it Uh, and of course we have the bdsm of 50 shades but exit to eden's on there anything else that you can recommend i am going to find tie me up tie me down oh me that is one that i want on the list that one is centers on recently released psychiatric patient played by antonio banderas (laughs) kidnaps an actress to make her fall in love with him Let me see. It delves into themes of obsession, control, and the thin line between love and insanity. Why are all of these BDSM movies? Right? Thin lines of nobody's sane. We're all insane in this world. Who knows? In this. There's, yeah, it is. It's, there's a lot. Love and Leashes is a 2022. I don't believe that is an American film. It is on Prime. Dogs Don't Wear Pants is on Netflix. That's a 2019. A uh, grieving widower who stumbles upon the world of BDSM, as you do, and forms an unconventional bond with a dominatrix. I'm going to have to watch that one. Me too. Okay. This one is on here, and I have questions. Basic instinct. Thoughts on BDSM. Why? Well, I don't get why it's on here. I think the sexuality, it's very sexual, and there is sadomasochism in it. but. It says that there's bondage in there. I don't remember remember bondage. No, but I don't see. I mean, didn't she tie him up right before she was going to fucking stab him? Maybe. Maybe. That's not bondage, though. Like, uh, that's murder. Well, she didn't murder him, so I guess it ends up being bondage. I don't agree with this one. Yeah, I don't either. I don't. I think it's more sexual. I think it's, you know, it was really sexy with the whole opening her legs and stuff like that yeah but we're making it like think about her as the character she was supposed to be some damaged murderess they're not wrong every single one of these films really fall into what that article that i did the little book report on for you guys was (laughs) it's either a depraved person that likes bdsm or it is a campy thing like the antonio bandera psych patient and he's Gonna kidnap a that's not healthy BDSM. Well, I think some of it, I mean, they do try killing me softly. It was more essential and it's more about, but there is that mysterious dark side and like they try to explore, but there's danger. That yeah. one was in 2002. It was a really good one. I remember watching it. I just don't remember the end result of that one. There's one I want to see. It's called Preaching to the Perverted. It's on Fubo, the Fubo channel. This is in 97. Follows a young computer whiz who is sent undercover to investigate the London fetish club scene. As you would as a computer whiz. Was he also a journalist? Like, why does that make him go into BDSM? In order to expose its founder. However, he soon becomes enamored with the world of BDSM and starts questioning his mission. So it's a British comedy. So here we go again. I don't know if it's going to go parody. British comedy offers an engaging glimpse into the underground kink community while tackling things of of acceptance and freedom. So I want to see it to see like how goofy did you make it? And we have to make it palatable. You can't just have it to have it. Do we have, if you think, so rather than going through the whole list, just off the top of your head, has BDSM ever been shown to be normal or 
not dark or something to laugh at. Nothing that I've ever seen. So I think in the movies, yes, they haven't made it normal. But I think in TV, they kind of starting to. So we'll get into the TV series. Have you seen Bonding? No, I have not seen it. I know it's from 21. So recent. But no, I haven't seen it yet. It's fun. It's like the best friends talking and it's not dark and seedy. I think you'll like it. I love it on Netflix, right? Yeah. I would love to hear your impact. It's two seasons and they canceled it. I loved it. I enjoyed it. And I wished it went beyond two seasons. I really do. That one was good. And of course, we're in the Red Shoe Diaries. It was all about desires and control. There was a couple episodes that had BDSM in it, but it was all about sex. Again, I think that most all of these big mainstream TV series, House. Yeah. I think Grey's Anatomy had one. I think. Yeah, I think so. I swear to God, I tried to find it the other day. I think if you type in like any big mainstream, all the cop ones have it, but it's always in connection with some depraved person that got murdered for their sex life or whatever it is. It's never, I feel like, in a good light. I agree. So this, unless it's specifically a sex show like Red's Shoe Diaries, the two that we watched, those were, it wasn't a shit on thing because it's these women writing to this man who writes about their fantasies. In that vein, it wasn't shit on. And I think they were done okay. I don't think, I mean, the ones that I saw were fine, right? Well, I agree. I mean, I mean, I think they did do well in, at least in that one. This is my opinion. They were trying to bring it out into TV and big screens and stuff like that to be more normal. That's what I think. It's like normalizing it. It's more normal than you're going to do it more than one time in your entire series. True, true. House had the one, which was crazy. I'm just going to ruin the episode for you. I cannot remember what the hell the name of the episode was. But dude from Harold and Kumar, the movie, I cannot remember his name. Harold is the patient that, and if anybody has never watched House, he's a terrible human being. The show is filled with terrible human beings. I love him though. Me oh, I do him in a heartbeat. Asshole, narcissistic piece oh, of shit. I still would. Lo- I would Look, do him in a heartbeat. I, I'm loving the show, but like when you yeah. watch them back to back and binge like I do, you're like, oh, these people are fucking awful. Every single one of them, and you can't get away from it. So the actor that plays Harold in Harold and Kumar, yeah, is the patient. And House will not take a patient unless it's something that is a puzzle and really hard to solve. So this kid has really fucked up shit happening to him. And he has this girl that he has with him at all times. Turns out she is his dominatrix and he won't do anything that the doctors say unless she chokes him out first and makes him promise before she chokes him out that he will do what the doctors say. So the whole time this kid is almost dying, she's also almost killing him to get him to do what the, so it's not it's not healthy in no fucking world i'm sorry i cannot imagine i'm sure it's happened once but it was such a wild episode of like again it's it's you make it look like this kid is fucking damaged to the point of like it was for sure master slave but there's no way a master is going to watch his slave be in the fucking hospital in real life and be like I'm going to choke you out. I know you're almost dead. That would be such a toxic <laughs> fucking relationship. You know what I mean? Uh, that would be a red flag. Get out. Oh Get out that relationship. So bad. So <laughs> it happens. And I don't, but I don't think it's to bring, I disagree. I don't think it's to bring it in the mainstream. I think it's to continue the religious idea of only depraved people take part in that. I agree with you on a lot of that. I didn't watch that episode. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Like CSI was the first time I ever, ever saw it in a TV series. And it was with Gresham, the main character. And and he ends up having this intellectual relationship with her. They kind of hint that maybe he did it, but they don't show it. Sure. But that dominatrix was really smart and intuitive was what they're trying to get at. And there was kind of a cute portrayal of a dominatrix. She showed up in quite a few different episodes here and there for him. But they always show dominatrixes as these bitchy women. What do you think? Well, I'm going to be honest. We've met quite a few dominatrixes lately. (laughs) I don't know how to answer that because they have been bitchy. I'm going to take that back because the dominatrix that we did our interview with, solid woman. Yes. Like my type of person 
I didn't feel like it was negative. I feel like she really cared about her clients. She had boundaries for herself, for her health. She had boundaries for her clients. And what she says in the interview, when you guys listen to it, is how much she cares about her clients' well-being, how well she checks in. Whereas I'm sorry, but some of the other experiences that I have had with dominatrixes and doms, let's be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking clear. Yeah. I have not appreciated. I don't like this ideology of mind games while interviewing and vetting people. I don't like being talked down to, which we were. When we were trying to get an interview, I can appreciate and understand and accept your stance, but I don't think that you need to be a mean girl. I don't think you need to be a mean guy. I think all of this can be imparted whether we agree or not. So I don't know. Maybe that's their experience too. That is not to negate that there's talent there. I just have not appreciated the interactions recently and it bums me the fuck out. But again, I also don't have their inherited life experiences. Like how many times have clients backed out? How many times have they had to go through? How many times have they been blackmailed by people? I think that you're right. The mean girl things and the things that we've been running into has been quite interesting. Yeah, I just Um, haven't seen anything that's inherently supportive of this is a good thing. They're not portraying DDSM as, hey, This is actually a healthy, sane thing to do. They portray it as, oh, she must have been touched. He must have been raped. You know what I mean? Like, does it, do I believe that a large majority of the population in BDSM has experienced traumatic sexual experiences? Yes. Yes, I do. But I also feel like BDSM is a wonderful way to heal around those traumas when done correctly. And I think that was what resonated me with me so much from our interview with the dominatrix was hers is of care. Hers right. is of to help heal around, to empower. So there's just as many mono people out there that don't have kinks or are vanilla that don't, that would be, had they given this on a platter, they would identify. But what are their teachings right now? What is their life like? Are they allowed? Are they in the church? Because if you're in the church, you're taught that your vagina and your penis are for God and gratification for gratification's sake is sin. So you're not taught about your body. You're not taught anything. I grew up in the church. You grew up in the church. Yes. I'm not walking around with my vagina out in the streets telling everybody how much I love to be beat. I'm not forcing my sexual proclivities down anybody's throats. But every time you see it in this mainstream, with very few exceptions, it is villainized or it is a parody. But it's edgy. It's edgy. So you got it as a TV. You got to address it. It's edgy. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it in cells. It's just like a lot of sex cells. And then if you can make it a little more edgier, you're going to draw in a little more things. And I think that's why Fifty Shades of Grey took off, I think, because it was edgy. But it was on the tail end of the, the Twilight series. So people were looking for something new and edgy can you remember the whole vampire thing and how oh god let's stat trying to find vampires to make them vampires so i think that the edginess is you're right it's a good selling point to bring people in and watch or whatnot yeah wow i mean how many so i don't read erotic novels yeah there's a whole genre out there of them yeah so Okay, I just can't though, because I can't read Quivering Member or her mound. Like it's a fucking vagina. Call it a vagina and call it a penis. I can't do it with these one-off names for our sex organs. He licked <laughs> the dew from her mound. Is he licking dirt right now? I don't have a mound in my pants. <laughs> I have a vagina. I want him to eat that. I don't want him to lick the dew off of anything. He's in the wrong department. Oh my God, you're hilarious. I enjoyed that when I was younger. I remember there was a book. Embarrassed reading it. I remember there was a book in high school that was banned because they kissed and made out. And it was, God, it was by Bloom. That was a big deal. Everybody wanted to read it. I'll have to find the name of it. I'll put it in the show notes. That's interesting. Yeah, that Judy Bloom's book. I remember who she is. I just don't think I ever read any of her stuff. So I don't. And it was because they made out. It was a big deal in the 80s about them making out. And just the fact that this was a book that they banned because of a makeout session. Now look at 
all the things that we have book wise, we did do the research on books. You got the story row, which was the original before the movie. Fifty Shades was a book originally. But did you I in high school there there was this well, maybe it was college, the series that came out. Did you ever read or hear about the Sleeping Beauty trilogy by Anne Rice? You told me about it and it came up in all my research and I never, ever have until you and I started doing research for this podcast. And I read her. She did the, wasn't she the Vampire Lestat lady? That's the same one? The one that did the interview with vampires. Yeah, it was another series, but she had to write it under and her publisher would not let her write. Yeah, she had to write it under a pseudonym. And then after the first printing, then they came out that it was by Anne Rice. So the first series of printings was written under her pseudonym and then they came out. She was. So did you did read them? I did. Oh, my God. What were they about? Fuck me up. (laughs) It was all about bondage and about control. It was the day after Judy Bloom or sorry, the day after Sleeping Beauty, the happily ever after. Like they all ride off. And it's the day after <gasps> Prince does, after he wakes her up. <laughs> Were they good? Because I'm not lying. I'm going to order them right now. Were they good? Uh, they, I remember them as being good. And I think I have them in my old library. I think I kept them because they were so different. I'll go look again. But I, oh my God, they that one fucked me up. I was like, oh my God, dude, why is he doing that to her? I just remember reading this and, and I had to put it down a couple of times. I'm like, oh, that's really, oh, wow. Okay. No, that's not me. The Christian in me was like screaming, God, why do they do this to themselves? But that was in the 90s. She also wrote Exit to Eden, which is another one that was very sexy. Yeah. Is that one of the three in the books? No, that was a different one. This was written back in 1980. So that one also became a movie. Was it? Wait, is that the book that became the movie with Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd? Was it a parody book? I don't think so. I think it was definitely about master slaves and submission. And okay. it was adopted into that movie. It was. That's what it says in the Wikipedia about the. So she wrote the book and they turned it into the movie and made it funny. But it was actually a book about master and slaves and the slave life on an island. What kind of turned me on to the Sleeping Beauty trilogy actually turned me in to go into erotica. And they didn't double and multiply into later like in the like 2010 and beyond you'll see a whole bunch of them but it was 50 shades just gray that really got me into erotica and i know i still can't do it i get too embarrassed i love me a good fox scene because i like murder mysteries and then there's one i can't remember where they're like because this is super feasible right i can't remember who wrote them but it's a team of professional security people and they protect art and shit. Like it's so, I can't, but there's always, there's always a good fuck scene. Always. Right. And they use less words like mound and <laughs> fucking shit. So I'm down for a good sex scene, but I, I'm going to have to challenge myself. I get too embarrassed reading that shit. Like it's all, God, I shouldn't be reading this. This is like somebody else's shit. You know what it means? Maybe if I found one that was like bdsm a little dark, maybe. Maybe. Do you remember the short stories that were in Penthouse? And yeah, because I actually did get that magazine for the articles. No. Yes, I mean, <laughs> some of them. There's a couple I remember reading, but that's not why you I remember the, the magazine. First, I remember the first I when the, the internet article. came out and people would write these stories and put them out on the internet. I had pages and pages printed out because I'm a slow reader and I would sit there and read them and they would be erotic novels like, oh, the teacher's pet turns into yeah, I just table. think it's not for me. I think it's for you. For sure. It's for you. I mean, I was more so you got to understand. I can't remember how many years apart we are. Well, I'm well, and you were older. You were, So it doesn't matter. You were probably part of it too. the chat rooms going in and pretending you were much older. That's kind of where I went. That would have been my erotica was like engaging I feel like glory holes, like I missed glory holes. I missed out on glory holes. I don't think I could ever do it, to be honest with you. But I feel like if I could, it would have been like my fucking jam. Don't know who it is. It's fucking hot. It's like a one-nighter and you just fucking leave. And you do dirty, naughty shit within that one day. But it's just that night. It was just that person. So I think that's where I would have went as opposed to the erotica (laughs) novels. But- I'm just saying there's got to be like erotic and novels that have BDS in it, right? You yeah. would know out of the Well, two. actually, but I haven't been, who has time to read these days? I mean, we Don't read me. a lot just for the podcast, <laughs> but 
I yeah. haven't. I haven't picked up anything novelty for a long time. I've been doing a you lot more to on your Audible. I know, but the nonfiction right now in my in my out my list. So in podcast, I listen to podcast Podcasts. all the time. Speaking of, did we get through? So yeah, we kind of got through our movies. Have you watched Sex Life from Netflix? Oh yes, actually, I'm halfway through it. I started. I forgot all about it. And it's more fantasy and power dominance and voyeurism. Okay. Um, the Master of Sex was about the study of orgasms for women and. It's a really good series about Johnsons and Johnsons, but it didn't get picked up. So it's I think it's only got two or three seasons. Is there BDSM in it? Not BDSM, but it, it was talking about the exploration of orgasms and what causes them. Interesting. I don't remember where I got the list. So I think we're done with the movies and TV. There are apps. Did you know there's an app out there for BDSM? I found six of them. But that's just, it depends on what you're calling BDSM, but the life obviously. Are, are they, is FetLife an app? Do they have an yeah, app? Yeah, I have an app on my desktop. Big old horned thing. I love my FetLife app. But have you did Kinko? No. Kinko? I haven't. I want to, I think I'm going to download that one. <laughs> and then there's iKamasutra, nope. which is not specifically BDSM, but it's different position and ideas for intimate times. And there are some elements of BDSM in there, but. Adult Friend Finder and Field has a part that you can put in that you are into kink or have fetishes or BDSM play. Yeah, it's on mine. Yeah, which is it's on mine, too. I don't do Adult Friend Finder. I, I did years ago. I wasn't a fan. But they're all of the platforms are pyramid. Like you, you have to pay to get to know Lord. who likes you to have any whatever. So it's all to me, whatever. Yeah, so. There's Whippler. Yeah, I haven't. It's an, a dating app. I didn't know that it. one. That's why I didn't put it in there. We didn't have most of these. Yeah. I well, mean, I have the Icon Sutra I downloaded. It was kind of fun <laughs> looking at it, but it's, it's boring. Comparatively, we've done more in our own play life. There are some apps out there that you can find that can help. And uh, who knows? Somebody's probably creating one right now to instruct you on how to be a top and a bottom. <laughs> Never know. There's an app out there for everything, right? Yeah, for sure. I like apps. But of course, then we they've crossed over into there's a lot of podcasts out there. I remember when I was started doing this podcast, mm -hmm. there was only like two. Now there's, dude, there was hundreds or not hundreds, but I I listed 10 on our list. Yeah, there's a lot of podcasts out there. It's so different. I remember I was trying to understand about contracts for when I first started the podcast and I was thinking about doing an episode on BDSM and I was doing research. There was nobody talking about it. Like anal, I could find out everything about anal, sexy stuff, but BDSM stuff was hard to find as podcasts. But I think when COVID hit, everybody decided to go and, hey, let's start a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> well, definitely broke open some time for some of us. Yeah. So do we want to list some of these or yeah, do we want to it. put them in show notes? So we have Kinkology podcast. We what have Loving it? BDSM podcast. Okay. We have Off the Cuff, which is a kink and BDSM podcast. Okay. It's the Dill Dorks. All right. Which is, it does focus on BDSM, but not exclusively. And then there's American <laughs> Sex Podcast. All that in Mo is, I like her. She's an amazing person. I want to meet her. She's got a story and a half. She's a educator and a kink expert. I remember when the first episode came out on that, I was hooked. And now I'm so far behind on her. I hate to say it. I love this one. What's your safe word? And that's talking about consent and talking to the leather community and myths and realities. What about pink kink? Did you ever? I haven't you know? listened to not one of these. These um, are all you, baby. Yeah. Mean Mommy Kink podcast which is a femme top even in the fucking title it says mean mommy mean mommy right <laughs> to finish up the top 10 my favorite all time this is my number one podcast that i love and i support her 100 body storytelling did you and ever body listen? is b-a-w-d-y why yes has been doing this body storytelling for well over 15 years in san francisco she does go up to seattle but when COVID hit travel was restricted but it's short stories and she helps you cultivate the points to make it poignant and get to the meat of it and it's not about mounds and things like that it's really telling the story and turning me on a lot but they do have bdsm episodes it's about being true to yourself exploration it's one of my favorites i got a lot of ideas like my fisting 
that came out of there. Jesus. <laughs> it's people when they first explored sex or want to share a sexy story. I love podcasts. So I'm going to have to check out some of these. I haven't checked them all out. I well, I have to tell you, my favorite podcast is Orgasmic Tourist. So. Ah, yes, you're right. That was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I actually listened to our episode. I do too. <laughs> Why would we not? <laughs> right? Um, so as we're wrapping up some more how pulp culture is affected by BDSM or how it's starting to be infiltrated into mainstream stuff. Have you noticed that stand-ups are actually showing a lot of or talking a lot about BDSM? I love comedy. I love comedy, but I know I have not had the same experience as you. So this is all you again. You're the one that's told me about them. I've never and I watch comedy all the time. I don't really remember one that was anything with BDSM at all. Well, they would make jokes about leathers like at first. But now you're seeing actual BDSM comedy shows. There's one in Massachusetts called Paid or Pain. I haven't seen it. In Massachusetts? Yeah. Like a play or it's the same people over. Is it a story like like your gal that you just went and saw? No, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to find out about it. See if they have something on YouTube. But it's Paid or Pain, the the BDSM comedy show. And then I met this lady, Eleanor O'Brien. Hopefully we'll have her on the show. But she started doing like a dominatrix for dummies and she's got some other wonderful shows. But that one really stood out for me and it made me laugh so hard. Then there's Kate Kat Davison does a bondage stand up series. And then the one that always gets me laughing is there is a Netflix one called The Fix. And in yeah. the first episode, there was one line in there that just always gets me going. I made you listen to it today. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was really funny. That's with Jimmy Carr. Oh, God. His laugh is just annoying, but I love it. So now we get to cross over to your part. Yay! About music. I don't do music. I'm going to be honest. Most of these, I don't know. There are a couple that I do. So the top, what, we did 13 of them. I'm just going to run through them. I'm going to say the name of the band and then the song that is legitimately a BDSM song. So you guys can get our lists from our notes and you can go listen to them yourself. Depeche Mode has a song called Master and Servant. Rhymes, Ramstein, Ramstein, Ramstein. I just know Sarah loves getting beat to their Rams- Is it Ramstein? Am I saying Ramstein? Ramstein. However, you say that. Nine Inch Nails, which we already know was Dirty Bitches. Happiness and Slavery. I think they have a couple actually. Even Fuck You Like an Animal, I think, is another uh-huh. one that is in that vein. This oh, of Mercy great. have a song called More, Combat Christ. I don't know who that is. Get Your Body Beat. I need to listen. Mm-hmm. Dite Artsel. Or, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Bite, bite. Velvet <laughs> Underground, Venus and Furs. She Wants Revenge, Tear You Apart. Judas Priest, A Touch of Evil. Stooges, I Want to Be Your Dog. Boy Harsher, Pain. Ministry, My Possession. And then, of course, Rihanna. Yes, The Rihanna. S&M song. Uh, so that one was that one became pretty big, right? Because she was she went all out in her video too with all really? of it. I have to watch the video now. I, I don't remember the song, but I do have a problem. I can't hear lyrics, and I had to read lyrics to hear that's it. That's why you go to Spotify because I now they have a little lyric thing that you can that follows along, like the dotted ball. I like teeth. By Lady Gaga. I'm surprised that's not on the list. Oh, that's right. Well, that was yours to put on the list and you didn't. I have a playlist that's BDSM and then I have erotic playlist and then I have warm up playlist. But my playlist that's BDSM playlist and then I have it helps me hey, right. <laughs> stay right. in the mode like heavy hardcore beat. We talked about how it's starting to pick up and be part of our mainstream. People are talking about it more and more like we are. Hello, podcast. Yeah. What about healthy reading and things that would be positive for our listeners? Some actual BDSM for informational purposes. There's quite a few. I'm just going to name a couple. We'll have a list that'll have more than what I'm going to mention. Here's a couple. Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns. It was written by Philip Miller and Molly Devon. It's the romance and sexual sorcery of sadomasochism. It has a lot of graphics and it's a comprehensive reference book that gives advice on practices and safety advice, which I think is really paramount when you're coming into BDSM. There are two written by Dossie Easton and Janet W. Hardy. 
One is the new topping book and the other is the new bottoming book. And both are practical and theoretical introductions for tops and bottoms with emphasis on psychological, practical, and technological aspects and detailed advice on partner search. So I think one for top, one for bottom. And tops, you better be reading the bottom book. And bottoms, you better be reading the top book. You need to understand both sides of that coin. Um, Another one is called Leather Folk, Radical Sex, People, Politics, and Practices. It's by Mark Thompson. And it is 28 essays of well-known sadomasochist authors and activists. I think those are important. There's another one called Kinky Crafts, 101 Do-It-Yourself S&M Toys. And I just thought that this was so incredibly cool. It's written by Lady Green and James Easton. And it's a comprehensive guide to do-it-yourself BDSM toys. So I think that's freaking awesome. I'm going to get that one. I have not gotten that one, but I love because there's a lot of times where you have time on your own. So why not learn how to satisfy yourself that way? And then I think the last one that I wanted to just drop is the S&M Feminist. It's Essays on BDSM, Gender, and Culture, and it's by Clarice Thorne. So we have a couple other ones in there, but you know, feel free to add to the list. Make yourself your own list and go through and read these things. Part of being healthy and sane and not having it be able to be made a parody in your life or to be able to be made this negative connotation about who you are as a person is educating yourself around tips and tricks, techniques, the psychology behind what you can get out of it. Not everybody has to be broken to within an inch of their life to like spankings and and think otherwise is stupid. You're just ignoring, you're, you're keeping yourself, you're negating yourself from finding out what your pleasure centers are. We're never, we're never down for that type of shit here. <laughs> this is so true. This was fun. I, I, when we started talking about BDSM wanting to do this season, I automatically said we definitely had to do a pulp culture because it has changed drastically and has influenced how people see this community. Uh, so I, I think really... Norm is still heteronormative monogamous sex. Well, I think you're right there. Yeah. Especially since we're back into the massive right evangelical taking over so much body i think we're gonna have a massive war on sex again like we're already seeing it so i think you're right breathe (laughs) (laughs) well we're gonna have a really long show note on this one but check out some of this stuff if you hadn't heard of them or read them there was a lot of fun doing this episode things i didn't even know uh clearly i a lot. Since we started this, we ran into the 356 series and then- uh, 65, Sarah, we don't want people to go to the right movie. That's right. 365. You're right. Oops. Number four. <laughs> I need number four to come out. My fingers are rested. I need number four. <laughs> That's so funny. I love it. All right, everybody. This is where we're going to tell you, go be good humans. Go be good humans, guys. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes and, of course, on our website at orgasmictourist.com. Please don't forget to help us out by sharing our podcast and leaving a five-star review. As always, you can send us an email with your questions and comments to orgasmictourist at gmail.com.